Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Dead Silence, A Death in Palm Springs. So 1991 movie rewind in dead silence or a death in palm springs three college seniors travel down to palm springs for their last spring break vacation while searching for a party in the desert they get lost on the highway and accidentally hit and kill a homeless man that was walking along the side of the road while one of the girls wants to report the crime to the police the other two convince her to cover it up and go back home and hope for the best screenplay by j david miles Directed by Peter O'Fallon and premiered on Fox on August 26, 1991. So just like most TV movies, I don't think I have to ask if you've seen this before. No. Yeah. Um, there, quick note, there are two movies in 1991 that were actually called Dead Silence. So if you search for this movie, you'll likely find it just by searching Dead Silence. A Death in Palm Spring was like a working title. I don't think it was ever the official title, but it's also findable, searchable by that name. So that's yeah. why we're making the distinction, because there is another 1991 movie called Dead Silence with There's, a different yeah, cast. Yeah, when I was... Lesser known. <laughs> looking for stuff about this movie specifically, it was kind of hard because I was just getting the other movie... Which is more of like a 40s noir style thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or there's another movie that came out, like a horror movie that came out in 2007 called Dead Silence. It's like a puppet. Yeah. 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 So it was kind of hard trying to find anything about this movie. Yeah, and it's also tough to find stuff about TV movies in general. And this was a Fox movie, which meant it had even less prestige than something you might see on ABC or NBC or... CBS back in the day it's you know the fourth channel um so I think that probably added to the issues um we were able to find this on YouTube I think that's the only place you can actually find it I could not find any proof of a VHS or a DVD copy that this was ever released and um the version we saw on YouTube was basically a rebroadcast on the Lifetime Movie Network which I'm not even sure still exists yeah LMN yeah yeah uh, it might. It probably does with all their, you know, <clears throat> Hallmark Christmas stuff. I don't know if they're the same or whatever. But, um, so it's it's a old rebroadcast that somebody taped and then uploaded on low resolution. So I apologize for all the screenshots that you might see on the website or on the YouTube video if you're watching the YouTube version of this. Um, yeah. <laughs> low quality. <laughs> yeah. Um, the movie itself isn't terribly low quality in terms no. of like directing. I think automatically we see th- these three college girls. We get very brief introductions to two of them. Um, we get Sunny editing her final project because she wants to be a news anchor, and so she's editing her last field report piece that she's doing for uh, school. And then we briefly see Zana, Zana. Yeah, Zan. Zan. Um, so, trying to yeah. negotiate her grades, and she has aspirations of becoming a lawyer. Yeah, and going to law school. They either call her Zan or Zanny. I've never heard them say Zana or Zana. Yeah, they tended to use, except for Sunny, they tended to, like, they called yeah. Joan Joni more. Yeah, they were they all with an Joan. E at the end. It was like yeah. Zanny, Sunny, Joni. And I think that's just because they've been friends for a really yeah, long yeah. time. Um, and I really liked the rapport between the three of them. Especially yeah. early on, I thought they, you know, did a great job of conveying that long friendship between the three of them. So, but we don't really get introduced to Joan all that much until, I guess, once they're at Palm Springs, that's when her character starts to come out a little bit more. I mean, she's like the super hyper bouncy wild child type. Yeah. I 
mean, overall, it's a very quick introduction to these characters. Uh, we we see them in their shared house. I'm not. I, I am assuming it's like off-campus housing or something that they all share. Together. Yeah, like a sorority. Again, I don't know these things. <laughs> yeah, we we really didn't know much about it, but I mean, um, there's and it's, a yeah, like their last year. I, I think we learn later that it's their last year. We were a little confused because part of the introduction is that uh, Zan gets a letter from Columbia. Yeah. And, and we're like, okay, well, are they in college? Because this is a letter from college. Yeah, that I thought acceptance. it was high school. Like, they were 18-year-olds. Like, it's senior year going into college. Yeah, but it turns out, no, that's just her trying to get into law school yeah. after her undergrad. Uh, so that was a little confusing for us, but... We got past that over time, but later, yeah, later on, because of the situational dialogue, we basically pick up that they're seniors, and then later on, after the accident happens and they t- return to their normal lives, then they show the graduation yeah. party, and some of the events happen at the graduation party. Yeah, and also during their spring break, Sunny has like an internship or just like a job already. Yeah, she's going to start a job in Palm Springs with a news station. She goes to meet um, her boss, who's going to be Mrs. Stillman, and drop off paperwork. But Mrs. Stillman basically says, we need you to start tomorrow. We were going to start you at the end of the month after you graduated, which I don't know if spring break happens that soon. Spring break is like March, basically. It's like March, April, and then like graduation is usually like May. So they... Um, like that's what confused me the most i'm like so she's starting her job but she still has to go back to school to like finish school and then graduate yeah i was like why couldn't you wait escalated timelines or something but um (laughs) yeah in in short she wants her to start the job right now which yeah again is weird because mrs stillman should know that she's still actively enrolled in in college and should need to finish her graduation then it's like also not fair because this is her spring break vacation true um but she doesn't know that they're down there for that mrs stillman doesn't know that's why she's there she's just like oh you're here you might as well just start yeah uh and mrs stillman also does not let anyone get a word in edgewise at all um that's a recurring theme with her interactions with sunny is that mrs stillman just keeps talking and talking and sunny's trying to explain something or get a point across and she just steamrolls the conversation yeah she's like either always um interrupted by like an assistant coming in telling her this and that or she gets a phone call and she's like hold on a minute let me take this call or just interrupting her yep um so i mean that that comes into play a little bit but yeah in general the whole movie has a lot of very quick exposition a lot of fast dialogue people talking over each other a lot of times um especially in the earlier scenes when we're seeing them in the house together it's very frantic in a sense when really all they're trying to do is get in the cab and go to palm springs but it just feels overwhelming and sensory overload and you have this yeah blaring 90s music in the background yeah it's like the beginning of beverly hills now too i know it's like i don't know yeah and which makes sense because the guy who did the score also did melrose place in the central park west theme okay song. so that, that um, i was thinking Miami exactly i was like that. this is very melrose place <laughs> same guy <laughs> same guy tim truman did the music for this and later on it like the music sort of turns into like sort of twin peaks inspired or like there's sometimes yeah, where got the, like silk stocking vibes <laughs> so. yeah it's very even this storyline is something that could have been a story on melrose place Sure. I mean, I've never seen Melrose Place, but yeah, I I wouldn't doubt it. Um, it's really basic, unfortunately. I wish they would have done a little bit more with with what happens after the accident, and because they set it up, you know, these three are very very good friends. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're best friends forever, basically, and you know, they have this accident. Sunny wants to go to the police and report it, and Zan's worried about how she might be affected and how she might not become a lawyer if she's involved in this criminal situation and 
Joan doesn't want to report it because her parents don't even know that she's down in Palm Springs at all, and so she doesn't want to take any sort of responsibility. And so they think, okay, well, let's just get the rental car fixed, use cash instead of card, and we can try to pretend like this never happened. Because, you know, maybe nobody will find this guy if we put him out in the ditch. Yeah, or they find him and they're like, oh, well, he's a transient, so no one would care about him. Yeah. That's what Xana is just Yeah, kind of banking on. That they can find a way to, to not get caught. Um, and Sunny is convinced partly because she has a prior DWI, and so she'd be facing jail time almost definitely, regardless of whether or not it was an accident, because she had been drinking the night of that accident as well. Um, the accident itself, I'll say, was probably the cheesiest moment of the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, because the, <laughs> the death scene of this man... It was like watching Death Race 2000 or something. I don't even... <laughs> it, it did It did feel super low budget. You know, like the slow motion. But his entire, like... Fast cuts. Like his head goes through their shield and cracks like almost all the way through mm. their windshield. I was like, oh my god. And it's like bouncing off of it and stuff. And like right before that, like someone off camera just throws like the shitty little tumbleweed in front of the car. <laughs> you know? And so, um, but yeah, basically they're just distracted and talking to each other and joking when yeah. they drift off road and hit the guy. When I was like reading the little blurb about it, it was saying that they were like, drunk driving that they were tipsily driving so uh, yeah i mean they had been partying already that night and you know the the indication is that they have the water bottle which was likely filled with booze as well that was being passed around yeah most likely or whatever um yeah so they're just drinking and and laughing and whatever they did say that they had been drinking and that someone else was supposed to drive instead of sunny but it just didn't happen for some reason i don't know why um like Zan was supposed to be driving, but she wasn't. But also, like I don't know when the rules. Maybe this is another. The more you know, or something, where <laughs> it's like I don't know what the rules were. Where, you know, when you rent a car, you have to be twenty five years old. Uh, yeah. Is this the movie? I don't want to say. Is this the movie <laughs> that was the like cause the cause? The you gotta be twenty five now. I think you are giving this movie way too much. I, I know. Historical. But I was like, when did they come up with that rule? Like, was it in the nineties? I don't know. I, I, I don't should know. look that up. Yeah, go for it. But yeah, they definitely were drinking because they talk about how okay, well, let's just sober up and think about it, and you know, act in the morning with whatever we decide as a group. So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird death scene, and then I wish it would have gone a bit farther with what they did. In, in reality, what they do is they just go through what you expect the basic steps to be. They go to this repair shop. Again, they, they pool their cash together so they don't have any sort of credit card record. And then they make it seem like the repair shop people know exactly what was going on. Yeah, I. it sounded as if they told them exactly what they did. Because there or was like... they piece it together themselves and be like, oh, this dent looks like he probably fucking hit somebody. Like that, you know, that was sort of like the glance like, the tone that the They guy were was like giving. creepy dudes out in the middle of nowhere and... It was like in a, there was an adjoining bar. Yeah. Attached to the repair shop. Yeah. That was... In... Full of people. Yes. Because <laughs> at one point she goes in and tries to steal the copy of the receipt that was inside the bar. So she says, hey, can I use your phone? Mm-hmm. Because the phone is next to the inbox outbox thing that has the receipt. And she's trying to like sneakily get that past the bartender who's like stealing glances at her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just a weird scene. But they really do make it seem like, yes, this is... Like, I know why you're getting this car fixed well, for cash. Yeah, when you see, like, after they um, hit the guy and they're all creeped out about it and Zanny is like, why don't we sleep on it? 
and then tomorrow we'll go talk to someone. Yeah. When they come back to wherever their hotel was, you can see, like, blood on... On their dresses and or well, not them, but on the hood oh, on, of yeah, the, car. the car. And yeah, they wash off the car like as soon as they get there with a whole bunch of people around. Yeah, but I was like, people can be putting two to two, two and two together here. I don't know. We should probably quickly mention that this movie again was on Fox. It was a Fox TV movie, and before all the the scary stuff happens. It's very obvious this was a Fox TV movie. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> like, it, it just there's gave a lot me... of role B-roll of like vacation stuff and like hot bods and yeah, the beginning and... of them. It's like a once five. they land in, I'm assuming LA because you know they're in LA, but then they drive Palm out to Springs Palm Springs. Is... Palm yeah, Springs whatever. is like two hours out of the way, but they're like in the LA area and it's just totally like if you're going to Venice there's just like people are and then you know it's spring break so every everyone is there and it like just imagine MTV's spring break in the 90s yeah like that type of feel yeah and that type of cinematography as yeah well, right so like you you're in a, a music of... it's literally MTV spring break with without the VJs and the music. Yeah, yeah so yeah you have a lot of like hot cars hot people and you know buff bodies and you know skimpy outfits and whatever for like five minutes just it's just a sequence just you know glorifying <laughs> the spring break party culture for a while and you see like joan you know jumping off the roof into a pool with a couple guys is like part of her you know wild child yeah atmosphere and like you know happy-go-lucky whatever um so yeah, it, so then they return to the hotel with all these people still partying around them and they're washing off this car <laughs> and like going past. And I I appreciate what they were trying to do when they were trying to go back into their room. You know, they're trying to turn the screams of the girls partying in the pool into like a horror type of a scream. And yeah. you know, like they turn the, they make the, the lighting is a lot more red and you hear the voices like echo as they go through it to kind of give it a haunting feel as they're returning back to the room so i appreciate what they're trying to do there even if it didn't quite exactly work the way they wanted it to um but at least they tried something there to kind of convey the uh the dissonance between those two situations the party atmosphere and their real life waking horror that they're dealing with it just says they they can rent cars to people under the age of 25, but you just pay an, an extra fee. Oh, okay. But I don't see, like, when it started. I see. Well, the fee was paid on Joan's credit card. Yes. Which is a weird thing for her to do when her parents didn't know that she was down there. But... That's... I mean, if they're they have some sort of family joint credit thing, wouldn't the family see that you know on their statement, like you know, a couple weeks later, and yeah, they'll be like, "Where is this from?" They might not. I don't know. Like, it's tough to say because during the graduation party, the dad because Joni loses her credit card at the scene of the crime. Yeah, and that becomes a major, major plot point. And when they're having the graduation party. The dad says to her that she got that he got a call from the bank about um, getting a new credit card reissued. And did Joan request this? Did she lose her credit card? And Joan says, "No, I didn't request that. Maybe it was Mom that did that." So it sounds like it's a shared account from that. But how would she pay her bills, or does she pay her bills if they're living in a house with two other people? So it, it, it's tough to know, but it sounds I like they're connected because the dad knew that's, about the but lost yeah, card. If the, but the dad would have seen that on their statement if they you have like so. a joint family thing account. Yeah. And I mean, they could have explained that away with the simple line of dialogue where Joan was just going to explain. But the she's also like, like what? Like, yeah, you know? yeah. She's also like what? 22 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I or was, maybe, you know. I was just like, why she just can't have her own credit card? And, like, why does her parents need to know this? 
Yeah, we're just like reading into like <laughs> yeah they, they, the stupidest things. There, there's a lot of problems with the movie in terms of the logic. Um, I think probably more upsetting rather than just the credit card stuff is how they handled the newsroom side of things in conjunction with the investigation. It's really weird that the police would basically invite the news people there while they're investigating the rental car when they do eventually discover the rental car that was used in the incident, that they would invite the news crews while they're actively, you know, looking at the vehicle and like, you know, trying to analyze the, the windshield. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing bothers me a little bit more. Or why the police would interview Sonny as a news person or talk to her at the morgue. Yeah. <laughs> well, at a certain well, point, like, I mean, like some of that type of logical stuff is a lot more worrisome than, you know, did her dad have their credit card access to or not? Like, yeah, that's, that's a little bit lesser for me. I mean, th- even just, I, I just had a problem with her being thrown into working right away. And then they give her this homicide case. Like, yeah. I was like, wow, I don't know. And like, is she actually hired full-time as a paid employee? Or is this an internship where she also has to do on-camera like, live reports? But she's doing a lot of work. A lot of work, yeah. If, if that's, you know, starting out or even doing, like, this... I don't... I wouldn't say it would be, like, an internship. I don't... I, yeah, I mean, if it the is, work that she's doing wouldn't she is be like shadowing work. someone? I don't know anything, <laughs> but if you're starting out, wouldn't you have someone mentoring you, and she would just be observing, not just being like thrown automatically to do like the most hardest case, which is like a homicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. what really bothered me. But I mean, they had to include that. So you could have the conflict yeah, her, and the internal yeah, struggle of her reporting on her own crime that she committed. Right. I, I mean, I understand that for the plot. But yeah, realistically, it would not have happened. Um, and then you have Tommy, the cameraman, sort of following her around and, you know, saying, Hey, let's go. We're live. What? Yeah, um, he's like, what's wrong with you? And stuff like that. Yeah. And I'll say that, you know, we haven't talked about the cast and crew too much. I'll say that um, Tommy is one of the more notable names in this whole thing. Uh, I don't know if you recognize him at all. Stephen Brill. He's known for like some like cameo type work in a lot of Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, okay. Uh, but he's more known as a director and a writer. So he directed several Sandler movies like Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds do over Sandy, Sandy Wexler and also uh, his first directorial debut was Heavyweights for Disney mm. um, which he got because he also wrote the Mighty Ducks trilogy for Disney so yeah there you go he's also a Razzie winner as one of the co-directors of movie 43 and also has a uh-huh. Razzie nomination for Little Nicky for both writing and directing so but yeah there's a couple of big names in here surprisingly uh, mixed in with they weren't big at the time but um they are there and he's the first one uh so yeah he's basically you know just following sunny around and saying hey yeah come on get on get on camera right now let's go yeah and he's you know he is a goofy personality and has some charm to the whole thing um i also found it interesting they also had this guy eric who was showing sunny around at the very beginning and they talk about the obituaries for people who are not dead yet um and <laughs> it's like gerald ford and sunny bono she sees the obituary files on them you know, because news stations definitely do do this with the prepackaged obits. You know, just in case someone passes away, they kind of get things ready to go so they can have it on air as soon as possible yeah. after the news breaks. And so they talk about, like, Gerald Ford and Sonny Bono, who weren't dead at the time, but now definitely both are. Um, Sonny Bono being former mayor of Palm Springs, mm-hmm. so who passed away in 98 from the, the skiing accident, infamously. So that was interesting that they threw in a reference to Sonny Bono in there. And it made me look up when did he die because I thought he had died by 91. No, that's like so, too early. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just kind of got it mixed up in my head. Uh, but yeah, back to the repair shop in a sense because it's like one of those scenes where they spend a lot of time on the scene and you make it, they make it seem like it's going to come back to bite them later. 
And it just doesn't. Yeah, like, those guys would be like, oh, yeah, we helped these three girls out with repairing this vehicle. Yeah. Wouldn't you want to use them as witnesses? But they were probably, like, cool shady people. Cool the crime. Yeah, like, just shady dudes to begin with, so they were like... I just thought something bad was going to happen out of that. Like, they were like, okay, we helped you, now you got to help us type of thing. Okay, yeah. Because we know that what we're doing here is covering something up. We don't know what it is, but we know it's something bad. So now that we did this repair for you, you're going to have to, like, do something for us. But then that was, after they fixed the car for them, that was that. That was that. I just thought something bad was going to happen. Because it seemed kind of, like, tense during that scene. It did. And and I think it's because they made it so the repair shop staff acted like they knew what had gone down. um, Without outright saying it. Yeah. So, but there's also a couple other parts. They're probably like, oh, we see this all the time. We don't care. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. But, I mean, there's a couple parts where, you know, it seems like maybe they're going to get away with it, but you're watching a movie, so probably not. Uh, And one of those is when Joan is trying to go pick up Sonny um, at her news job. She stops by the scene of the crime, I think, to look for a credit card. I'm not 100% sure why she's there. But I thought she found something else. She stops and cries, and, like, the car alarm somehow goes off while she's there like right next to the body and then a cop comes by to help her i and then i was thinking how do they know exactly where they hit him and hit him because it's like a long stretch of road of desert yeah i don't really know Uh, yeah and and Joni, she was the most out of it out of them all right accident she just starts walking and they you know find her after a little while yeah, like, it was like she walking all the way back. Like she, yeah. she just was like catatonic almost and just sort of like walking out of like... She just walked reaction. up, yeah. Um, I mean, so. she has... I mean, she's the one that's like going through it the most mentally. Like she has PTSD from this. Yeah. And she can't get over it. I mean, who, who can? I don't... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, why, yeah. <laughs> but um, the cop is there, uh, helps her. She gets away from the situation. You know, it kind of makes it seem like the cop is going to find something because the body's right there. And he's like, oh, do you smell that? And she thought he was referring to the rotting body that was nearby. But really, he says, oh, is that your prefer- perfume? Right. Um, and then after she leaves... The cop finds the credit card of her, you know, of hers on the ground that I think she was probably going to be looking for, but she never got out of the car to actually look for anything. She just stopped near the side of the accident, like I think started crying, and then the alarm Mm -hmm. went off, and that's when the cop showed up Mm -hmm. immediately. So, yeah, so that, that sort of like steamrolls the whole thing. And then there's that weird scene where the cop tries to return the credit card at the hotel room where yeah. Zan and them are, are staying and you know Zan is like oh no Joan's not here right now I could take it if you want it's like no I have to return to the rightful owner but then they both just like leave town so does she ever actually get it back I guess not because that's, no, she that's why she had to order, order a new replacement but how would the cop know where they were staying I don't know Maybe maybe he was able to. Did they charge the room to her card too? Because if so, then they could probably track it that way. Okay. Yeah. So, um, they show a little bit of. I just yeah, I thought that was odd too. Because nothing happened after that. With uh, the credit card. I mean, it's just. The only thing that really happened it with just the credit card scares is that them it, more. it links Joan to the crime scene, but no one else. That's the key aspect of it. Yeah, but him coming to the door saying, is Joan Reducci, I think, here? Mm-hmm. And Zanny's like, no, she's not here right now. What can I help you with? And he's like, oh, I found her credit card. And 
she's like, well, I can give it back to her if you just give it to me. And he's like, no, I have to give it to the owner face to face. And she's like, well, she's not here. And then he's like, okay. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, it was really just the first clue to have them, you know, link somebody to the scene of the crime. Yeah. But Um, they didn't find this body yet. No, they hadn't yet. But, um, like when he, they do find, they the, do body, find the body, he uses the card and calls her to say, hey, I found your car card near where this body was. Do you happen to know anything about this thing? Yeah, and she's like, uh, that's when she starts freaking out. Well, yeah. the other thing is that when they do come back home, every time a phone rings and stuff, Joni oh, does not answer the phone. She's no one just... answers the phone. Well, because they, they think... They ring like 30 times because they always think it's good. the cops catching them. Yeah, but then the one time she does answer, it's the cops. Yeah. But honestly, it's just the two that go home and Sunny stays there to work. So Yeah, but uh, then, then I was like, so Sunny's staying there? there? Does so. she get her own apartment and everything in like two days? They said they're going to help her find another hotel room, different hotel room, because they were leaving their place early. Um, they weren't staying the full week. They were just going back as soon as possible. So but. she's just not... Okay, Sunny's just like... Okay, I guess I'm not going back to school. Because she does not go back for graduation because she's, she's already the down there. Party, no. So she just never goes back? I don't know. I guess not. So don't you have to, like, finish school? I don't know. I mean, not technically. You, no one has to finish school. It's not mandatory. Well, to graduate. Don't yeah, you? Like, to the, last, yeah, but... the last month of your school, isn't that finals and stuff? I don't know. Ask, ask, um,. Ask the professor. Ask Professor Harris, <laughs> Brian Cranston, <laughs> who is there as he's the their ethics own, professor. He's their own, which is, yeah, which is, you know. Zan, who has questionable ethics across the board. Right, taking uh, ethics class. Consults with Brian Cranston as Professor Harris uh, about what constitutes being an accessory to murder basically yeah i mean <laughs> she comes back she comes back and on. is like studying all these law journals and yeah. stuff like that trying to find ways to basically like get out of herself of yeah. responsibility um and yeah it definitely makes it sound like he knows that she did something wrong as well but, but again, then nothing, nothing happens yeah. yeah other than a cameo by Brian oscar nominee Brian Cranston for Trumbo. Four-time Emmy winner for Breaking Bad. Three-time nominee for Malcolm in the Middle. And also, he will be in the 1991 movie Dead Space. So, Dead Silence and Dead Space. Yeah, so that's that's the second and final scene that he's in. But yeah, at some point, they do find the body. I don't fully remember how. They just, you know, Sonny is asked to go to the scene of this crime to start to cover the story. I don't remember how they actually found it um i really but it was over three months after the actual incident happened they made a point of that um and so they find uh the water bottle that zan had and a fingernail which was zan's um at the scene of the crime but that's about all they have the body is a complete skeleton at this point had been you know scavenged by buzzards or rodents or whatever off the side of yeah, the road. Yeah, coyotes or whatever. Uh, so it's it's basically all Like bones. a full-on skeleton. Yeah. Uh, like and... absolutely no meat is left uh-huh. after three months in the desert. But I don't know, who knows. And then, um, yeah, so that body is taken to the morgue, basically, and that's when Deputy Ryan and Detective Barton are standing over the bones of the body talking to Sonny and you know Deputy Ryan I'm sorry actually Detective Barton makes it sound like he definitely knows that Sonny's responsible like there's so much of this inference that everyone knows that they're guilty and I'm not sure no one's coming straight out saying so right I don't know if it's just like supposed to be the character's but, interpretation yeah, of what they're it's saying. It's probably like Zan Zanny's and Sonny's interpretation, like, oh they know. But yeah. And at that time they don't know. They certainly don't have the evidence to link them. Yeah. Out. But 
But then you, Sunny you does have, act super suspicious. Yeah, because she gets very. Whenever she's around them, she's like super nervous and doesn't. She's like tripping up her words and yeah. can't really, you know, do her job. Because she's like, well, you know, is there any, any way. She says like they in conjunction with the crime when the cops haven't said anything about there being multiple people. And so the detective I mean, is it like, could just be like they. Right. It's like, well, oh, well, I guess it probably had to be because we found this fingernail, you know, so it's probably and it was a like a heavy she probably body. need to have help carrying the body over to the thing. Well, you could also say they because you don't want to gender someone. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they did not care in 91. Well, so you just say, what did he do? Yeah, but she said they because she was part of the they. Yeah. Uh, the, the multiple people there. Um, well, then you have, like, Deputy Ryan kind of putting all these, because he's got the uh, credit card from Joan, he's got this water bottle. Water bottle with the college logo on so it. So then that's when he calls Joan. Mm-hmm. But then he just asks her, by any chance, do you go to the College of... I forget what it was. It was, like, uh, the Pacific Northwest or something, <laughs> like, something like that. It was yeah. a very generic... Name. It might be an actual school, but I, I don't know. I didn't uh, write it down either. So. And she's like, I used to go there. But then she kind of, you know, gets nervous. And she's like, okay, I don't know why you're calling. And I am I have to go somewhere. So can you just call me tomorrow or something like that? Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that, that sort of leads him to look into things further and discovers that the car is rented under her name. They look at the car and notice that there had been some work done and, you know, because it wasn't the original uh, windshield on the thing. And so, yeah, it kind of like steamrolls from there. Yeah, so it's all pointing to Joan. Yes. Joan freaks out and then she goes to Palm, Str- Palm Springs and to talk to Sunny. Mm-hmm. And... Zanny, like, meanwhile, Zanny's, she's, you know, trying to look up all these law books, trying to find a way to get out of it. And that's when Zanny calls Sunny and she's like, have you spoken to Joan or have you seen her? And then Sunny's like, oh, she's here. And then Zanny's like, why are you there? And and then Zanny's like, okay, hold on. I'm going to be, I'm going to fly down there <laughs> so we can all figure this out. Yeah, I mean, the, the the recurring theme in the second part, like after the accident, is can the friends really trust each other anymore? No, it's because... just like a very strained... It's mostly like Zanny telling these other two what to do. Zan wants to do everything she possibly can to get to out of it. avoid the situation. Yeah. Sunny still has a ton of guilt and wants to report it, but she's, you know, afraid of going against the group. Joan is kind of stuck in the middle. Um, but She's like... If she reported it, she would have the least consequences, um, you know, originally, other than having her strict dad be mad at her. Right. She's uh, like, I don't want my dad knowing that I was even down here. Or, But we don't even whatever. know what her aspirations are in terms of college. We know Sonny wants to be the newswoman. We know that Zan is going for law school. But we don't know what Joan is doing with her life or wanting to do right. with her life. So, um, but all the evidence points to Joan, and so Zan is there to try to hopefully help guide her when they go to the police and say, you know, here's here's what you say when you talk to them. Because yeah, it's, during it's coming to that now, yeah. so, you know. She's, like, coaching her. Like, yeah, here's what you say, here's what you don't say, you know, say yes, no, I don't know, to whatever questions. And then, yeah, Joan is just like, why don't we all... Oh, well, because then it comes... They're going to drop her off, and then she thought Zan was going to come with her, and she's like, no, I can't go in there with you, because that'll be suspicious. Right, because Zan has not been connected to this at all. Like, yeah. Sunny, it's already established that Sunny knows Joan to some degree. Yeah. And that they were there together in some form. It's like, if but I Zan go in there completely... with you, they're going to think... Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a part of it, which um, she doesn't want to be. Yeah. And that's when, you know, Joan freaks out. She's like, I can't do this, yada, yada. They get, they all kind of get into this argument. I don't want to say fight. They Because they were fighting after this entire thing happened. Yeah. Like, just constant arguing. And, and then Zanny's just saying, let me fix this. 
And yeah. they're, and they're tr- just putting their trust in her. Because Anne's really trying to talk it through, like, a rational type of a scenario of just avoiding penalties. Yeah. Um, but Joan is like, if anything happens, like, you know, she's coming to the realization that this is all going to fall on my head and my head alone. Right, because so like, everything you know, is, is under my name. You know, I'm I'm going to take the fall for this for everybody, whether I like it or not. Um, and no, no amount of discussion is, is going to persuade her from thinking that. And so, yeah, at some point, like, she she rushes out of the motel and she's, like, standing on the short board of the pool, you know, like, you know, the diving board of the pool. And it, it seemed like a really weird threat that she was, like, oh, I'm, you know, it seemed like she was, like, threatening to jump into the pool from, like, you know, two feet up. <laughs> on the on the short darting board, I'm like, this is weird. And then at some point, she, you know, uh, like she's Zan goes back like into maybe, the room, yeah. Um, and they're gonna watch the news report together. And Joan climbs up on the roof again, uh, while Zan is watching Sunny do the report about this new breaking development in yeah. the case. Um, and so, but first, there's a Crash Dummy commercial, which was a nice little touch, not only just for nostalgia, <laughs> but also horrible. considering it was a car accident uh, movie. Um, and then, yeah, Joan is on the roof and jumping into the pool like she had done before. There's a gardener there, or someone, some sort of yard worker for the hotel. Um, and apparently she hits her head this time. I didn't notice that. I you did, but I didn't. did, because you were laughing. I was oh. laughing because she was like... She splashed the gardener, and the gardener just kind of, like, waddled away kind of funny. So she I was thought, like, uh, yeah, I got yeah. splashed on. Like, eh, and what? But then, like, I don't know, you, you thought you saw blood, and I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it looked like a pretty clean jump to me, but... I'm like, no, <laughs> she's killing herself. And But, yeah, she hit her head, because, yeah, they, the The pool was to, not deep enough. The Yeah, probably not from that spot, I guess. Um she uh yeah she definitely hit her head as they show later when they take her out um and she is gone yeah she's gone like she does kill herself and zan well a very over the top uh song plays in the background yeah that it was like a song this like another song where i was like okay this could also be on kickboxer 2 yeah, and then Zan comes out after that whole news segment, and she's like, what the hell's going on? Because the police are there now. And that's when she sees, like, Joni's body, like, on a stretcher, I guess, being zipped up, and she's like, starts freaking out. And then she goes to Sunny, after Sunny is just literally doing her job of talking about more evidence of this murder that they did mm-hmm. and then Zanny's just like oh you can't go don't go see Joni right now like she kind of like not telling her that Joni's dead no she's trying to tell her about the accident basically but she's the like, way something she goes, happened to Joni yeah she's like something happened but she doesn't actually say Joni died she's like something happened something happened maybe and she's like, hoping she didn't I don't know or is mm-hmm. in denial but um yeah Sunny somehow follows the cops or the ambulance to the the hospital i don't know how sunny's able to get there there yeah and this is where like where i was like oh damn i don't know (laughs) you know sunny is blaming zan for the whole thing um you know like zan's definitely up to something or other and um Sonny's like, get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. Get away from this car. And then she goes to try to follow the... the yeah, because she's whatever. like... Bla- like, because of all of this... You know, because Zan is like... She's so obsessed with her lawyer career, she'll do anything to get it. Yeah, she's so obsessed with, like, trying to get out of this and her lawyer career. And then she, now Sonny is like, knowing, knows that Joan is dead. So she's like, just because of all of this, we like trusted you, trusted in you, Zan. Mm-hmm. And look at now our friend is dead. And right. now I want nothing from you. But yeah. then Zan, I was like, damn, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, this is Melrose Place level. <laughs> like, like drama. The, the next part. 
Yeah, the end, it was like, what blew my mind. So Where, go for it. <laughs> Tell me. Not just Zan is like, okay, so I found a way for me to get out of it. And she's like, I confessed to the whole thing to get immunity and I blamed it on you, Sonny, basically. Because yeah, like you I... were the driver of the vehicle and you had a DWI. Yeah. And then you see the cops come out of the hospital room and like take Sonny away. And, I, and then that's it. Well, not exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, first off, before that even happens where she says that she turned Sonny in, she straight up lied to her about what happened with Joan. Yeah, that's why it was like she said something happened with Jones, but she doesn't come out and say, oh, she's dead. Yeah, she doesn't explain the argument that led to her going out and doing that. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it actually ends with Zan sitting in the empty apartment that they shared. Oh, yeah, yeah. Watching the school piece that Sunny had edited at the beginning about friendship. And Mm -hmm. she's just rewinding it over and over again and crying. They should have had like a little note i guess but i mean it's a fictional, i mean it's a fictional, fictional thing story, yeah i know so. and then i was like well now I, i'm like if i like if i was zan like how can you live with yourself <laughs> doing this to like your best friends there's and then some... if i was sunny i would be so pissed there's a lot of that in society um yeah i know yeah and then that's why I was like, oh, damn. And I'm like, you know, she's going to have to go to trial. And then I hope there's, like, she's going to have to point fingers. And even though, like, Zan's like, oh, I have immunity now. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it the, the moral of the story is crime doesn't pay, basically. That's that's the whole thing. Even if you're... Even if you're ladies, ladies can also do crime. And they will also face consequences. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so let's quickly talk about cast and credits. There's no awards to speak of, no box office because it was a TV movie, but maybe you have the ratings we can talk about in a second. But this is the first movie directed by Peter O'Fallon. He had done some TV work before this, 30 something, Northern Exposure. He went on to do things like Party of Five, House, Legit, and Unreal. Um, he also directed the movie Suicide Kings which I think was his other biggest, probably his biggest movie. Uh, J. David Miles is the writer, only has one other credit to his name, and that is Good Night, Sugar Babe, The Killing of Vera Jo Rigley, Wrigley? I don't know. It's from 2013, which he also directed. So not much else from him. Um, two other people are credited with the story that I didn't did not mention. They're also producers, Bob Bibb who uh, has not done a whole lot in the industry, and then also Louis Goldstein, uh, who is a sound mixer, who has done several 1991 movies on the sound side of things. Um, He has also a three-time Emmy nominee for sound mixing, uh, Russian Doll, and then also John Oliver's HBO show. He's also done, like, Hereditary and some other big movies. Um, So it's weird that he's involved in the story side of this. We have a pretty small cast overall. Uh, Renee Estevez is Zan, Zana Young, sister of Emilio uh, and Charlie Sheen. Uh, she's also going to be in the 1991 movie Presumed Guilty, uh, also known as Guilty Until Proven Innocent. She's been on West Wing for a few episodes as a character named Nancy. Uh, she was in Heathers. She was also the final girl in Sleepaway Camp 2. Uh, and she's also written four episodes of the show Anger Management, which was starring her brother, Charlie Sheen. Lizanne Falk as Joni. Uh, 1991, she'll be in Leather Jackets, Runaway Father, Aftermath, A Test of Love. And we've also seen her briefly on Night on Earth uh, as, you know, the tour manager person in Winona Ryder's segment when mm-hmm. you're at the airport. Uh, she was also in Heathers as one of the Heathers. Uh, Say Anything, also in Suicide Kings with the same director, uh, Less Than Zero, and her last feature was back in 1998, Shattered Image. She has not done much since. Uh, Carrie Mitchum played Sonny Haynes, uh, who I think probably gave the best performance of the three. Yeah. If I had to say. They're all good. All three of them are good. Yeah, I like them all. Uh, But I think I like Carrie Mitchum's performance best. She will also be in the movie 
uh, grave images in 1991, but I cannot find that it's watchable. It's basically like an anthology horror movie. Mm. Uh, so if anyone knows of a copy, supposedly VHS does exist because on IMDb the image is a VHS cover, but I cannot find proof that it's available for sale anywhere. So it might be just extremely rare. Um, but she's also been in stuff like Virtual Combat, Lethal Orbit, uh, James Dean, Race with Destiny TV movie, and uh, most notably, Bold and the Beautiful, 414 episodes as Donna Logan from 1987 to 2001. Also previously married to Casper Van Dien. Uh, Mrs. we will briefly talk about, we've seen her before in Sleeping with the Enemy, uh, Claudette, Claudette Nevins is Mrs. Stillman. Uh, she's also going to be in Child of Darkness, Child of Light, but she's been in stuff like Tough Turf and also Return of Planet of the Apes TV series, which I kind of forgot was a thing back in the day. Uh, last person I'll mention here is Tim Russ, who played Deputy Ryan, the guy who did all the detective work, really, even though he's not credited as a detective. Uh, he's going to be in a couple more 1991 movies, Eve of Destruction, Heroes of Desert Storm, Night Eyes 2, but he's best known... Uh, for playing Lieutenant Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager. So, that's the cast and crew, and like I said, no awards to speak of for this one. Can't say I'm too surprised. Yeah. On to True Crime and Pop Culture we go. Uh, I'm going to just talk about the TV first. Sure. This was um, on a Monday... August 26, 1991. It was, you know, the Monday night movie for Fox. And Dead Silence had 6.8 million viewers, which was not as much. What was the Lucy and Desi? Lucy and Desi was like three times as much yeah. and considered a flop. Yeah. I mean, so. I would watch this movie over Lucy and Desi. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, and this is also Fox, so I know Fox was new. Was not expecting major ratings on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on this, at the same time, the other there was two other movies playing at the same time. There was one on ABC, which I could not. It's not on our list, so we will not be talking about this TV movie unless we find it somehow. Yeah, unless some it gets time. uploaded to YouTube or something. And the movie was called Finding the Way Home. They had 10.2 million viewers or that watchers. Cool. I think I looked it up as who, a couple big names, like Wilford yeah, Brimley, right? Yeah, it had Hector Elizondo is one of George C. Scott. Oh, George C. Scott. Yeah. yeah. So it, this is a movie where it's George C. George C. Scott brings a noble presence to his role of a small-town Texas merchant in financial and emotional straits. Scott portrays Max Middleman, the troubled owner of a hardware store he founded in 1955. Business was bustling then, but today the customers aren't coming. The building is falling apart, and Max has fallen in arrears on his home mortgage payments. Then, out of the blue, Max incurs amnesia in an auto accident near a remote makeshift community of Latino farm workers. Struck by their camaraderie and adversity, he unwittingly undergoes a metamorphosis that reawakens him to a purpose in life. So it's like regarding Henry almost. Yeah, I mean, I was <laughs> I was like, and... okay, so was he an asshole during his troubled hardware store days? Yeah. And then he found these hard-working Latino people. <laughs> I just thought that was... I was like, oh, God. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of glad we're not watching this. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, TV movies are tough to find. Honestly, like, yeah. most of the TV movies that we have are going to be on YouTube rather than it's VHS like they, or DVD. They teach him, you know, about good family and morals, and he's like, oh, oh. <laughs> I am a good guy or now. Like, what if he was, like, super racist? And they, yeah. Like, yeah. And there is... We have the TV guide for this, so... I don't know, we can take a picture of yeah. this movie along with the ad for Dead Silence. Sure. And the ad just says some secrets just aren't meant to be kept. 
Oh, that's interesting. The tagline I found on IMDb is, they were lifelong friends until they killed a man. Now no one's <laughs> talking. Yeah, that's like, gives everything away. Yeah, almost. You know, I honestly wish that the movie um, just had more intrigue in it. Like, it should have had more tension and intrigue. It was, I wish there was a little bit more, like, backstabby or, you know, questioning I mean, it, each other's motives It became backstabby at the very end. Yeah, just, like, the last two minutes. I don't know. Like, it just seemed... Uh, everything was just so straightforward. Yeah. It was, you know, straight like a highway. I wanted, like, more twists and turns and curves along the way. Yeah. And um, the other movie that was on at the same time was on NBC that had 7.3 million Bad viewers. Night for all, all yeah. stations. This, it was a movie from 1989 called Turn Back the Clock. And I was oh, like. Oh, so it wasn't an original movie. It was no, it was an original. It was okay. just like, kind of like when, you know, Lucy and Desi, it was up against. Big. Big. Which got like the same numbers. Yeah. <laughs> So Turn Back the Clock does not sound familiar. What was it? It's a 1989 movie. Oh. It's a troubled actress kills her husband at midnight on New Year's Eve and immediately regrets it. <laughs> Given the opportunity to relive the previous calamitous year, she finds she is powerless to change the final terrible outcome. Okay. I've never heard of this movie. It'd be funny if you're like, oh, she killed him at midnight, but it's daylight savings, roll the clock back, and then like, she like, gets kills him again and he's or alive again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was the three movies that were up against each other that night. So I don't have anything true crime, I, and I mean, if this was based on a I, on a real story, that would have been like super interesting. Yeah. Oh, can I make one little note about TV? Because I noticed, yeah, in the, like the major, you know, the the long form guide that's on TV guide, the lead into this at six thirty was studs. Oh, really? The TV show. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that was always a fun show. That's, that's <laughs> weird, because this, yeah, because this movie started at, like, 8 p.m. at night, so I thought Studs was, like, a 10 p.m. show. Yeah. I always remember watching it late at night. Yeah. But, yeah, according to TV Guide. So, okay, going on to historical events that happened on this day. We have a baseball historical event. All right. And I'm probably going to mess this up. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about anything. <laughs> sure. Former Royals great Brett Saberhagen. Uh-huh. On August 26, 1991, in his final season with the Royals, tossed the franchise's last no-hitter with a 7-0 blanking of the Chicago White Sox. Okay. And I found there was, was like an huh. Sorry, that was that was um was that the big year of no hitters? There was like a lot of no hitters, either in nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety one. I have no idea. But yeah, it was like six or seven no hitters in the same year. Sort uh, of like what happened in twenty twenty one. But yeah. I found like a small article on Fox Sports. It was like a two thousand fourteen article. Because it was, I guess, in Kansas City, he was honored as part of the Royals, quote, Legend Knights promotion they had there. Okay, yeah. And so there's, like, this article that uh, I'll give to you. And it has, like, the photo of him that night where he hit the no-hitter. It's a really large photo, so we can probably put that on the website. What I'll probably do is actually put a baseball card. Like a card. baseball card, yeah? Yeah, yeah, because um, I know that Score, and some other sets also did it too, but like Score would usually have a card commemorating every single no-hitter. Mm. So I, I can picture it in my head, I think, uh, and if, if I'm right, then I'll just post it online. All right, so in this article... Also, sorry, also he, a good picture. <laughs> also a good picture for RBI Baseball. He's like one of the sidearm pictures. Okay, that, he kind of talks about this in okay. this article about his pitching, but I don't, it's just like he's interviewed because this is like 23 years. This is in 2014. So yeah, 23 years later, he's getting this, you know, recognition. And it just says quote he said i can remember just about everything on that day 
he said that you have, this is a quote, you have a lot of great memories in baseball, like the World Series and Cy Youngs and MVPs, but when you have something as unique as a no-hitter, it stays with you. I can understand that. We have another famous birthday. Oh. So we're getting like... Yeah, they're coming in clumps. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it's just people that I'm like, oh, I know this person. So. <laughs> Um, you may not. So it's Dylan O'Brien was born August 26, 1991. He was most notably in the MTV show Teen Wolf. And he's also in the Maze Runner movies. He was Uh, in the Scorch. in the Scorch. That's what he's well known for. Okay. And... Is he the one that's, like, not going to be in the movie that's coming out? Because they're making, like, a Teen Wolf movie, and they've, there have been talks about how one of the major cast members is not going to be in it. But I haven't paid much attention to I d- who that I was. Yeah, I don't know. Because um, I got him confused with... There's another young guy named Dylan, but it's Dylan Minnette. And... That guy was in 13 Reasons Why, which I know you didn't watch. They both just have dark hair and, like, they both look very young, even though they're, like, 30 now. (laughs) (laughs) They just, they still look teen-aged to me. And the the other Dylan that I got confused with, this Dylan, he was in the most recent Scream movie. He was the son of the female sheriff. Oh, okay. They gotcha. look alike to me. So I, I okay. thought that was this guy, but no. And then just moving on to music, doing the bottom five. Because this is, you know, summertime and you know what was number one during mm-hmm. the summer. This was as of August 31st, 1991. So at number 100... A lot of these songs, I think four out of the five, I've never heard of until today. Okay. (laughs) That's coming from the music expert in the house. You're right, yeah. So at number 100 was the song When the Lights Go Out by Gerardo. The only song I know by Gerardo is Rico Suave. Yeah. And... I listened to this and I was like, I've never heard this. I mean, I'm, you know, this is probably like the second quote hit. The B-side? Yeah, the B-side of Rico Suave. But, I mean, I was watching the video and it was making me laugh. It's just, you know, over the top, like, shower scenes and, like, massaging. But then all of a sudden there's, like, three dudes singing in the back. I don't know. Mm. It was, like, trying to be very, like, color me bad-ish. Okay. And then number 99 was Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohn. I just... <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably like near the tail end of its run then. Yeah, this was 23 weeks on the chart and it peaked at number 13 at some point. Mm. But, I mean, that is a grocery store classic. For sure. Still to this day. Yeah. I feel like I mean, that was, like, back in my day, <laughs> that was probably played once every half hour. I just, <laughs> that was always on. And at number 98 was this song called Every Other Day by this group called Orin Moore featuring Father MC. Is He does a little, like, rap in the middle of it. All right. But I've never heard this song before. But it's, like just a typical song that you would once like it always makes me think of like taylor dane i guess okay like kind of like a tell it to my heart type of song but it's like a song that you would hear when you're getting like your hair cut or something <laughs> <laughs> or your nails done it's just like one of those like n- n- unknown yeah. dancey songs you hear in the background okay <laughs> Number 97. Okay, I've heard of this song. I just forgot that this was a song. It was uh, The Devil Came Up to Michigan. So it's like a 
play on the devil went down, went down to, Georgia. to Georgia because but it's you know a rap by KMC crew I don't know if you know who the KMC crew is no me neither but I I remember hearing this song I just forgot it existed and it's just you know they take samples from devil went down to Georgia mm-hmm. but it's them rapping about the devil came up to Michigan hmm. and well actually number 96 we heard this song it's gonna catch you by Lonnie Gordon. It was on the Cool as Ice soundtrack, so it was played during mm. Cool as Ice. And you know, I was listening to it, and I think it was just during one of those times where maybe where they were running through the construction sites. It's like one of those songs. Yeah, or just like when they're dancing while the motorcycle's getting repaired or something. Yeah. Yeah. So on rankings and ratings, we go. On your one to five star scale, where are you going to put Dead Silence? Uh, I'm going to give this a two. Yeah, I think the acting helps a lot with this one. Uh, I think, you know, the yeah, chemistry between the great. characters was... It was mostly, I guess, because it's very TV movie, the plot was... You like... don't expect much from TV movie plots. Yeah. Yeah, and this was like... Slightly better than other TV movies in general. I think we've just been lucky with most of our TV movies that they've been strong until now. Um, I mean, yeah, I didn't really hate this. I mean, I would watch this over Lucy and Desi. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, On my zero to four star scale, I'm still only going to give it like a one star. I think the story was just a little bit too, again, straightforward. Yeah. Kind of like... And then when it got and... good, it was right at the very end. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, I think the acting kind of saved it. But um, every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch it again? Yeah, over Lucy and Desi for sure. Yeah, but other than that, no. Yeah, no. I, I'm i curious to see how different the other Dead Silence is because you know it's not going to be the same storyline no, at all. yeah. So, um I have a feeling that this is going to be the second ranked Dead Silence in 1991 <laughs> when all is said and done. But uh, yeah, not really worth watching again. Uh, but it was, you know, enjoyable for what it was. If you out there want to watch Dead Silence or A Death in Palm Springs, as of this recording in March 2022, it is available on YouTube and possibly other internet sites, but um, nowhere legitimately, quote unquote. As always, check your local listings, because that could change. Uh, As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd, and YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind, or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies, along with show notes and more. Next week... Uh, we're at the tax season deadline, so we're going to be talking about the movie Money, starring Eric Stoltz and Christopher Plummer. That's available on DVD and YouTube. We will see you then. 